This is our last uh, Sunday of focusing on change. So from this Sunday on, everything will be just the same every Sunday. Uh, Yeah. And actually, it would be terrible if that were the case. It would mean, you know, that the, the things when things never change, you know what we call those? Ruts. Who wants to be in one? And if it's deep enough, the only thing you see are the sides of the ruts. Actually, as we look at our passage today and as we consider change in our lives, actually change can be very good. And indeed, change is part of God's created order. I mean, uh, consider the creation. I mean, God created change to occur day and night. Or the, the changes in our 24-hour period, that's part of God's plan. And think about it if things didn't change. What would we do if leaves didn't decompose? What would we do with the tons and tons of leaves that would then gather? How would we get rid of them? Yeah, we'd have to burn them. And what if we didn't have seasons? Now, there's two, really two parts on the earth that don't have seasons. Um, two general areas, and we call them deserts and polar ice caps. And not too much happens there. And even, you know, really our body is a wonderful uh, illustration of God's creative genius that brings, that allows for change and not other. You know, you, you may have heard that it said that in a sense, in our, our whole body changes every seven or ten years. You know, that every cell changes. Well, according to the Stanford Medical Review, that's not exactly the case. There are some cells in our body that never change. There are certain brain cells that we've got those cells when we're born, and they're with us hopefully all the way through life. Some of you are thinking about some of your activities at times that may have killed some of those cells, and you're regretting it now. There, there are some heart cells that change very slowly, maybe about 1% a year. So if you grow to be 100, then you'll have a whole new heart, possibly. But other, other cells in our body change rapidly. Um, our bone structure, our, our skeleton, every seven years, it does totally change. And it's a wonderful thing that it changes. Because if it didn't, then if we broke our bone, how would it naturally heal? If it wasn't a living organism that changed. Our, our, our skin, I'm, I'm actually being a little intimidated now because there are a few physicians in the crowd. And I'm, I'm saying Stanford Medical Review, so don't blame me. You know, blame them. Our, uh, our skin, every um, seven days, changes rapidly. And that's a great thing. Because when we get cut or burned, the speed of that change we call Healing. So so change is part of God's created order, and often God does it to bring what is good and right and life-giving, and even when change happens that we would say is bad, God in His redemptive power can even use that and make it good. Now, our our passage uh, today, uh, Jesus tells us of one change that is good and really absolutely necessary for every one of us. Um, who seek to follow Him. It's uh, Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 through 4. 
And, and in this um, passage, in this occasion, Jesus is talking with his disciples. His disciples are his followers. And here he gives us the, the change that is necessary for all who want to follow him. Let's uh, pray together. Gracious God, we thank you for the change that you bring in us. And we ask now that in this service you would continue to change us. Uh, we, we want to be different and when we leave and when we arrive. We want to be more in line with your purposes and plan and in congruence with your character. So do uh, your work in us. Speak to us as we read your word, as we meditate on it. Change us. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right, Matthew chapter 18, starting with verse 1. You can read on the screen or you can uh, pick up a pew Bible. It's on page 799. Hear the word of the Lord. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a child whom he put among them and said, Truly I tell you, Unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever becomes humble like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So here is a perfect example of good change, of change that is even necessary for you and me as followers of Jesus, that we must become like a child. Particularly, we must become like a humble child. So, so that must be something that, that we as humans don't naturally do. It's just not part of our natural tendency to grow into becoming humble unless God brings that change to us. And it's one that's absolutely necessary. If we don't make that change, then we don't enter into God's kingdom. And if we don't enter into God's kingdom, then we are destined for destruction, for loss, for God's wrath, separation from God. It's that necessary of a change in our lives. And Jesus goes on to say, and the greatest in my kingdom is a humble one like this child. Let's, let's talk about that a little bit. Let's sort of camp out there. You know? I mean, what exactly is he getting at here? What does he mean here? This is the greatest in the kingdom of God. Well, you know, let's imagine. You know, the disciples were told, the disciples were there, they were hanging out and they were talking among themselves. You know, now the disciples in Jesus' day, they were all men. So they're sort of like men gathered around um, uh, uh, watching ESPN. You know, who's the greatest basketball player of all time? You know, people go back and talk about Bill Russell, they, they, they talk about Jordan, they talk about LeBron, and they, they'll fight and argue and scream at one another, no, who was the greatest, and they, well, why are they the greatest? Well, this one had the, the greatest basketball intelligence. Well, this one had the greatest jump shot. Well, no, this one had the greatest accomplishments, won the most awards. Well, the disciples were probably doing the same thing. They weren't some meek and mild little group of people saying, no, who do you think's the greatest? No, man, this guy's the greatest because he could pray the longest. You know, no, this one's the greatest because he had the most followers. 
No, this one was the greatest because he's given the most to the poor and the needy. You know, they were elbowing in. This is the greatest in the kingdom of God. And so then, as anybody in the first century would do, now they go to the rabbi, you know, to the teacher. You know, they, they go to the one who is the great ESPN. And they say, who is the greatest in the kingdom? And as Jesus always does, I mean, it'd be a warning to you. When you see Jesus, don't ask him questions. Because you're going to get in trouble. He's going to give you an answer like this one. They're asking, who's the greatest? You know, who's the top one? Who's the one that's, that's going to get the most rewards? And Jesus walks over, grabs unsuspecting child, and plops him right in the middle of him. He says, he is. This child right here. And unless you become like this child, you will not enter into the kingdom of God. Unless you are humble like this child, then you won't enter the kingdom of God. What do you think that that looks like, that kind of humility of a child? Now, some of you are, are saying, I don't know many humble children. I'm not, he didn't say, be spoiled like a child. He didn't say, have a temper tantrum like a child, but humble like this child. Now, this is one of the fringe benefits or one of the real uh, uh, problems of being a pastor's child. But um, if I'm uh, at home and, and doing study or just you know, praying through stuff, and often it happens in the morning. Well, Hannah got up this uh, morning or this uh, week um, on uh, Wednesday morning, and I was working through this, and she came in to have breakfast because she was headed out to, to work. Hannah's my oldest daughter. And uh, so I asked her, what do you think? Jesus meant when he said, you know, you got to be humble like a child. And uh, I promise you, it was an honest question. I was not trying to get any uh, additional parenting in at that time. And uh, she, uh, she gave a good word. And that she said, you know, there's a simplicity to children that enjoys where they are and what they're doing. You know, when it's in line with them. She had just babysat some girls down the street, and that was the story that came to mind because one of them, when her mom came home, said, Mom, this was the best day of my life because we went to the pool. And she said, you know, there's just some simplicity of, of purpose and joy in a humble child. You know, we, we talked about it a, a little further. You know, a humble child has needs and is willing to let you know those needs. You know, there's, there's no pride of I can do it myself in a humble child. Now, they grow up fast. Um, but all, think about the adult things that get in the way of us letting our need be known. You know, whatever that is, that's not humility. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it happens all the time. Every street in America that has children on bicycles, this happens. You know, it happened just last week on my street. Child driving down the street on a bicycle, fall over, skins their knee, you know, they're holding it in, they look up, and then what happens once they see mom? Mom! I fell! Oh, I'm sorry, don't be scared. 
Everybody else as if they almost don't exist. You know, or, or if you are a, you have been a child, are a child, have children, you know, another one. You know, in the middle of the night, you have a nightmare. You know, what happens? You know, they, they run beeline to daddy's bed. Daddy, I had a nightmare. Yeah, that's beautiful. In our fallen humanity that we as a humble child, make our needs known to God and make our needs known to one another. That's part, I think, of the humility of a child. You know, there's one time in Jesus' healing ministry um, that ten lepers who were ill, they came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, we need help. We're sick. We need you to help us. If you're taking notes, you can go look at it in Luke chapter 17. And Jesus said, okay. And he healed them. And Jesus tells them, you know, the ten go away. And then eventually, one comes back. And says, Jesus, thank you for healing me. And falls at Jesus' feet. And Jesus even makes a comment. Weren't there ten that were healed? And yet only one came back. Only proves the point. It proves the point, sort of a double whammy here on, on change. You know, if we face change that causes pain, that causes struggle, that causes fear, you know, then we all run to Jesus. Right? I mean, in facing illness, in facing pain, it was 10 out of 10 that were running to Jesus. But in healing, it was only 1 out of 10. Come like a child is when we face the change in our lives of fear, of of pain, of of struggle. That change God uses as we are to learn, teach us how to learn to be a humble child and cry out to Him and to cry out to one another. That's the change that we need as we're learning to be like a humble child, being greatest in the kingdom. Now another, another thing, as we talked further, another thing that a humble child brings, again, this is a humble child, a trusting obedience. I told you, they grow up fast. But they, they follow along when they trust the one they're with, even if they don't understand. I have a colleague in, in ministry who on a, a one day off took his youngest son to an amusement park. And it was an off day, you know, it was um, not a, a high attendance day. So they were able to, to get on every ride. You know, it just it was a great day, you know, just no lines, get on the ride, have a great time. And as they were running from one ride to the next, but in a in a frenzy of trying to ride as many as they could, they got on one ride, and as they got down, they sat down, and then he said, This ride was feeling a little different because they gave me a seatbelt and they gave me a lap bar and it clunk clunk clunked down on me. I couldn't move, and I'm like, well, what ride are we on? 
And he looked over at his son, and his son was just having a great time, just smiling, ready to go. And then the ride took off, you know, and it went flying to the left, flying to the right, up and down, faster and faster, a couple loop-de-loops all the way through. And he's white-knuckling that baby all the way through. He glances over, thinking he's going to see his son just in a puddle of tears. And his son is just smiling and laughing and screaming, having a great time. And the ride stops, you know, and he jumps off as fast as he can, exhausted, you know, from that 70-second ride. And his son is exhilarated. And his son's like, Dad, let's go do it again. And his dad's looking over at him saying, Why? I mean, why would you even get on that ride to begin with? And the son goes, Because you did, Dad. <laughs> Just going along. Wherever Dad went on this day is where he was. Isn't that a great picture for a humble child following our Heavenly Father? Wherever you are, even if it involves seatbelts and lap bars, we're on the ride entrusting obedience. Every time that we face bad change, God is in control. And as a humble child, we continue to follow him. We refuse, as a humble child, to turn into a spoiled child if the decisions, the events, the changes aren't what we want. I'm willing to bet that every one of you had at least one change made by public officials this week that you think is a bad change. Let me give you a couple of them that happened this week. One was the, you know, the Marriage Act by the Supreme Court was uh, rescinded, was changed. The Supreme Court also changed the Voting Rights Act. Our, our state assembly and its budget raised the sales tax. Some of you are like, what? They did? And our city council agreed to raise the budget millions in order to pay for the streetcar. Now, some of you, yeah, I got a little close to home there on that one, huh? Preaching to meddling. I told you, I, I wanted to get at least one that somebody that you didn't like. Now, some of those, some of you might like. But I'm willing to bet there might even be a good number that don't like any four of them. As a humble child, though, we don't respond to that as a spoiled child. Throwing a temper tantrum. God's still in control. Right? He's still the one leading it. So, so, so we, we don't just fall out in, in tears and in anger and frustration. We continue to serve God in righteousness, in love, in His beauty as a humble child, seeking to be the greatest in his kingdom. We've got a couple of projects on our agenda as a church you're going to hear about in a, later on in the service. But, but both of them require us to be humble children. 
One of them is the the block party, the changes that we we cause every August among ourselves and in the community. The one that we have in our parking lot and where we we said, you know, Lord, we, we need your help to pull this off and we need the community's help. It's not even our block party anymore. It's the community's block party. And we want the, the whole neighborhood and beyond to come and attend and, and we want to do everything we can for those that come who maybe that's the closest they get to any kind of church building to be able to encounter someone who is a humble child of Jesus, to somehow reach out to be a witness to them of the love of Christ. We need God, you to do that. We, we need you to be the one at the prayer tent. You know, Colleen Shy will be out there, and anybody else that wants to join her in her, you know, if you want a free Coke, just come talk to me about Jesus for three minutes. Uh, what I love about that is she doesn't say she's going to talk to them. She's going to listen. She lets them talk about Jesus for three minutes, and usually nobody stays for three minutes. It's a whole lot longer. And, and we've got alpha classes that are set up, you know, set up for folks that come to that, that want to participate. Last year, we had 15 people who came to talk about Jesus who said, yeah, I'd like to go to that alpha class, find out more about what it means to follow Jesus. Eight people showed up. That's a lot better uh, uh, percentage even than Jesus had, and with his ten. And a number of those are among our number even today. And uh, choosing to hang out with us and with Jesus um, together. And this, this coming August, what we're, we're saying, okay, God, we want to give that month of August to, to pursuing this. So the sermon series is going to be, what difference does Jesus make? And you're going to be telling the story. Some of you will be telling the story of what difference Jesus made in your life. So go ahead, be thinking about it now. And we're like, this is a project that we, we can't make this happen. We, we do all that we can, but you've got to do it, Lord. The other that you'll be hearing about is the Kalubi project that we've talked about before. We partner with Sunlight Power and, and trying to, to go into some of the villages of the, the Congo uh, to, that we'll hear in the details about, but to come in to bring... Um, the, the solar panels that can bring electricity and medical clinics and uh, to, to help in that area of the world. How uh, we as a, a church, a gathering of people, we're going to be the ones supporting and, and helping to, to carry out this particular mission all the way in Africa? God, you, you've got to do that. You've got to make that happen. Right, Alan? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that... Those are the the kind of things as humble children. We come before God and say, you lead the way. You've got to make it happen because we can't. God brings about that kind of change in us and through us and then in our world. There is change that is absolutely good and necessary. To become the greatest in the kingdom is to become that trusting child. One who is ready and willing to cry out for help whenever we need it. We don't pursue change for the novelty of it. We don't pursue change because we're bored. 
You know, that, that's sort of the, some of the change of this age. We pursue change because it is good and it is right and it's helping us to pursue the ways of God. It's helping us to pursue the ways of righteousness and justice in a world that doesn't do that all the time. We pursue change for the glory of God so that we will be more like Jesus and be able to share him better with those outside the church who don't know us. May indeed God continue to bring change in our lives so as to change us to be more like him and to draw us closer to him. Amen.